0: So today we're going to be kind of continuing on in that message series, Life Goals. You guys have already gone through uh, health. That's always the first thing you think about. Everybody's you know, goal first of the year is health. We've talked about relationships. We've talked about work. Uh, today we're going to be kind of sticking in that final in- little installment in this series. We're going to be talking about missions and strategy. And ultimately we're going to be talking about values. We're going to kind of dive a little bit deeper into the heart of, of who we are in this mess, in this series, and we're talking about life goals. And then we're going to get a little bit more into it here, and I'm going to just kind of dive right on into this thing because there's a lot that we have to say here, a lot of things we want to talk about, and I don't want to get you too far where you can't get to Popeye's before it gets too busy. That place is always busy. Am I, not, am I wrong? It is always. They came out with a chicken sandwich, and you would think that they revolutionized the world with a chicken sandwich that's been around for a long time but it is, uh, is there. So. But uh, this year, I mean, we all kind of look at the beginning of the year. Like I said, we're looking at the new year and you're evaluating, hey, what do I want in 2023? I own a business myself and, and I look at things, okay, what is 2023 going to look like for me? What, what am I going to do in 2023? What's going to be something different? What kind of goals do I have in what plans do I have to accomplish those goals? Like what, what's going to be next? Do I need to buy another truck? Do I need to hire more people? I've always got this thing that I'm looking at and I'm looking at for 2023. And this is kind of what we all do, whether it be for our personal selves, whether it be for our businesses, whatever There, because goals and plans matter, right? Your goals and your plans, they matter, but deeper for us and deeper what we need to be getting into and deeper for us in what we need to be thinking is what do you really want for, from life? What is it that you want from your life? What is it that you want from, your, from what happens today? What happens tomorrow? What do you want from what's going on next week? What do you want from your family? What is it that you want from life? And Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians, he says, that so whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. That's kind of what we want in life. And that's where as believers, that's what I think where we should be second. Is that everything that we are, whether we are home or away, that our aim and everything that we should do it should be to please him. We talk about that when we talk about glorifying God in our mission statement and things of that nature. We talk about that there, but our aim is to please him. So when you think about goals today, Many of you guys probably think about maybe mission. We can look at goals and mission, and we can somehow make them synonymous. Goals and what your mission is can be kind of the same thing. We might use those words somewhat interchangeably. But mission, when we're talking about it, we're talking about the thing that wakes you up in the morning. Mission's that thing that just wakes you up in the morning, and is deep down inside of you, is what makes you go and what makes you drive. It's the why we exist. That's mission, why we exist, why are we here, what are we doing? And for Northwood Church, we hear this all the time, you see it on banners, you see it in different things, our mission is to build Christ-centered communities that help people know God, grow in the Christ, and go in the power of the Holy Spirit until Jesus returns. Amen. Amen. You see it on T-shirts. You see it on our our things. That is the mission statement that we have put together, and that is the thing that we hope that as you guys are here as a part of this body and a part of this body of believers, that you can adopt that mission and you can make that your heart as well, that we would build Christ-centered communities like this church, Christ-centered communities that help people know God, grow in Christ, and go in the power of the Holy Spirit until Jesus returns. That's the mission that we have. And we believe that mission is also what we would say is what Jesus' mission is, kind of the great commission that we would go into all the world, preach the gospel. And this successful, successful mission that we have, it must be supported by strategy, and it must be anchored to values. We have a mission, and it's going to be supported by strategy and it'll be anchored by values. And if we want to be able to look back and feel that we've been faithful To the mission, we have to define what the values are and what the strategies are, and we have to kind of get in that thing. So when we look at mission it's the why we exist, strategy is how we accomplish that mission. Strategy is how we accomplish the mission that we have there. So if we have mission and we look at goals, a goal without a plan is just a wish. A goal without a plan is just a wish, and a mission without strategy strategy is just a fleeting dream mission without some type of strategy is just a dream that we would have that we're never going to accomplish because there's no strategy that they have in there to help us accomplish the mission that we have. The, The strategy is the action plan where things get started. Strategy is the action plan that things get started on and we believe that your strategy must be informed by values. Your strategy will be informed by values. So what are values? Values are who we are and who we are becoming. Who we are and who we are becoming. Values are the things in life that are just, this is part of who we are. Like, I, I have strong values about, you know, how to raise my children. And how to, how to teach my children. And, and my love for Christ. There are different values I have. You may say I have values. of I'm an I'm a avid North Carolina Tar Heel fan. There are things that I shape my kids. We're Tar Heel fans. We live here, but we're Tar Heels. That's just the way it works just the way it is. I'm sorry. I don't care about Crimson. I don't care about any of that stuff. I knew I would get somebody awake on that one. I knew that. <laughs> no, but our values are things that it's who we are. It's who we're becoming. And knowingly or not, or unknowingly, you all have values. Even if you say to me, hey, Scott, I don't have any values. I, I don't care about any of that stuff. There's your values. <laughs> That's, that's what you value. You value, I'm a freelancer. I do what I want to. I do how I want to do. I do what I want to do. Knowingly or unknowingly, we all have values. And they form the basis of how we see ourselves as individuals, how we raise our families, how we see others, how we interpret and how we interact with the world in general. All those things are seen through the lens of values. They're the cornerstones of who we are and how we do things. This, this is the part that without it, it the whole thing would crumble. Values are the things that hold us up. I look at it this way, like, you know, when we look at the mission and strategy and values, let's say your mission in life, listen, I want to be, I don't know, I want to be a millionaire. I want to be a millionaire and I want to have a hundred different rental properties and properties that I own. I want to have 20 different businesses. I want to do all those things. So what I'm going to do first is I'm going to go out there and I'm going to go rob a bank, and then I'll get a million dollars, and I'll buy a first property, I'm going to sit here, and then I'll invade this property, we're going to buy a couple houses. And are you okay with that? No. Why? Because we have values. <laughs> I'm going to put my wife on the spot. We have values. I have, a, I have a mission in life that, hey, I want to, I want to have, be successful. I want to have businesses. That's not me, by the way. I'm just making something up there. But there, there's, some, there's this mission that we have, and there's a strategy that we will have, but my values say, listen, I can't go rob a bank to get there. My values makes, make my strategy kind of fall in line of here, so it kind of keeps me in, in, in check. My values keep me in line with what it is that I'm supposed to do and the strategies that I have to accomplish the mission that I have in life. Your values are very, very, very important. So what are some values that we live by? What are values that we live by today? Oh, I encourage you to take a look at your thought life. What are the things that you think about? What are the things that, that kind of bump you when you're, when you're kind of thinking tough, when, things, when life is getting rough? What are the things that kind of knock you in line and keep you in line when you're when you're thinking about that what are some daily behaviors that you have maybe you go to the gym every day you have values to live be healthy you have values to uh, be fit maybe you what is the things that you spend a lot of money on maybe you like to buy books maybe you spend a lot of money on books because you want to to continue to grow to be educated you value education you value literacy what are the things that you do in life and the things that you look like and the th- your thought life and your daily behaviors maybe some of those are your values. But sometimes we we talk about these values. Sometimes we really don't know exactly what our values are and sometimes we get our values a little bit confused. So when we we're going to be talking about values a lot. So let's let's look at this. Let's look at this illustration here. How many of you guys value vacation? No every, like you're like, when was the last time I went on a vacation? Uh, yeah, I've, some of you value vacation. Why do we value vacation? No work. There you go. We don't have to go to work. We, we get to sleep in a little bit. We get to sleep in and enjoy things a little bit. We get to relax and have time with our family. Maybe your extended family comes down with you and you guys all enjoy a place you get to maybe enjoy God's creation. I do that when we go on vacation because I know when we go on vacation, my body still wakes up at 6, 630. That's just what it is. My wife's body says I'm on vacation. I'm going to sleep till 10. So we're good. And I've had to learn that, that, you know what, I get to enjoy God's creation because inevitably I'm going to find myself on the porch or on the balcony somewhere looking out and watching the beach and watching the tide and watching. We went on vacation a couple, what, November? Or was it early December? There were people in the ocean, guys. In the ocean. It's cold. It was 30 degrees outside when we are in, in, in the beach. But I was enjoying God's creation, and I'm glad they were enjoying God's creation. I don't know how long because I would have died of pneumonia. It's not too long after that. But it was a, t- it was a time that we get to, I get to enjoy God's creation on, the, on those vacations. And I enjoy that. I enjoy that time. But maybe if I stop and I look at that a little bit, is vacation really my value? Is it vacation that I'm really valuing? Maybe your value is family time. Maybe your value is rest. Maybe your value is God's creation and enjoying the beauty that he has for us. And if we will stop and take a look at our lives and we'll stop and take a look at the things that we do and our behaviors and all the things that we, have, that we go through, that we'll begin to look at our, our values that's just slightly different. We'll will realize that family time is our value, and then your evenings will look a little bit different at home. If you realize that you value family time, then your evenings at home may look a little different than besides sitting in your, in your own chair by yourself and, and to, your, to yourself. It may look like you have your kids with you, or you, go, do, you put, go play an extra board game that you really don't like to play, but your seven-year-old loves to play it. And you do it because you value family time. You value that time together. You value rest, so you, you maybe you, you go to bed a little bit earlier. Or maybe you find times of solitude that you can have at times throughout the day that you can just say, hey, I'm going to go have a cup of coffee this time of day, and this is my time of rest. Maybe it's that golf game, because golf for me is rest. It's crazy, I know, but it's, for me it's rest. My mind clears from that, so I value rest, so I play golf amen. Somebody help me out there. There you go. I knew, like, Jeffrey, I'm like, I know you like golf, bro. Come help. Where you at? (laughs) It's a time of rest, and I value those things, and we have to figure those things. So we have to figure out, ultimately, what are our values? We have to find out what our values are so that we can build strategies throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout all that we do to be able to accomplish the mission that we have. Values are those guardrails they prevent us from what we, we call mission drift. They, they keep us in line. They're, they're the bumpers on the bowling alley. They're the, they're the guardrails on the side of the car or the side of the roads. Whatever it might be, they're the ones they, that provide that, that clarity. They provide uh, boundaries. They provide accountability, correction, and guidance. And if we miss this heart... We're not going to really, if we just jump to the actions, we're going to miss all those things. And more than likely is we're not going to adhere to the values that we have. We have to understand our values and apply that. But in determining our values, Jesus' values should ultimately be our values. Jesus' values are the ones that we should be looking at. He called his disciples to come alongside him. And if you read the story, if you read the Gospels, you'll see that he's he's constantly shaping them and encouraging them with the values that he has. He's guiding them and he's correcting them and he's saying, hey, these are the values, these are the things that we, we live by, these are the things that we that we do. And when in this life, when we say, Listen, Jesus, I love you, you are my Lord and Savior, and we surrender to Christ, ultimately, we are surrendering to his values. When we surrender to Christ and we accept Jesus in our heart and we say, God, I surrender to you, we are surrendering to his values. In our transformation that we have in life, that we, that we deal with the transformation that's constantly happening, that we're learning and growing, it is paramount for us to accomplish this mission. For us to continue to grow and to grow and to grow and develop, just like he did with the disciples, constantly nudging them, encouraging them, and then kind of pushing them and kind of getting them into the side. Romans 12 and 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by the testing may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Those values will help transform us when we surrender to Christ. And today we're going to just take a look at some values. In the time that we have left, we're going to look at some values that we have because that is, again, ultimately what's going to shape us and guide us in what we do in this life to accomplish the mission that we have. Taking on Christ's values comes from taking on the cross of Christ. And that's what we're going to focus our attention on today. That if we're going to take on Christ's values, that when we surrender to Christ, we surrender to his values. So if we're going to take on his values, it comes from the cross of Christ. Matthew 16, 24. And Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. That is is what Jesus is telling us that if you want to come after me, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Paul said it this way in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me, and he gave himself for me. Amen that he loved it. I live this life now for this by faith in the son of god who loved me and he gave himself for me. So what values did Jesus display on the cross? Let's just go and dive right there. We as a church, we have values that we have and we have values that we believe are found in the life of Christ, then they're found in the sacrifice of Christ on the cross and then what kind of what happens because of that cross and so let's dive into that here jesus valued people jesus valued people on the cross can i get an amen (laughs) and a thank you jesus and a hallelujah and all the good stuff jesus valued people the cross of jesus christ let's just be honest this wasn't just death this was torture the cross of Christ was torture. It wasn't just, we're going to stone you or we will behead you. This was torture. This, this was something that was happening where you drove a nail through the hand or wrist and through his feet and said, hang there until you die. Now, I don't want to be so gruesome about that, but I want us to grasp that whole that picture. This was torture. But yet, in his love for us, he laid down his life. Christ sent his son to die on the cross. And Jesus, his son, died on the cross and laid down his life because he has a high value for you. He has a high value for you. That value for us is so great that he laid down his life and he experienced and went through that torture, that agony, that pain because he loved you. 1 John 3 and 16. By this we know love. That he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. That'll, that'll, That'll hit you in the gut real quick, won't it? That we should lay down our lives for others. But by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. He laid down his life that he died because he placed value in us. Romans 5 verse 8 says, But God showed his love for us. In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You've heard that scripture many times if you've been in church long enough. But while we were still sinners, while we were still, we hadn't even accepted him. We haven't even, we, many of us, we've just denied him. We've just kind of pushed him off to the side. And the Bible says that while we were over there saying, no, I don't want anything to do, you, do with you, he died for us. While we were still over here saying, I will reject you, he says, I died for you because I have value in you, knowing that, that, that God's word will come to you, knowing that you're going to hear the word, knowing that something's going to happen, that one day that there's hope that you might accept Jesus Christ, that you might accept me. He died that he would do that. And today we value people because God valued us. It's pretty, pretty simple. It's an easy equation to put together. We value people because God valued us. People are created in this image of Christ. It doesn't matter what that image looks like either. It doesn't matter what that, that image looks like. There, you could be rich. You could be poor. You could be of a different skin color. You can be male. You can be female. Whatever the case might me, you were created in the image of God. We were created in that and it doesn't matter if you've got an extra tattoo that you don't like tattoos or if you've got a piercing that you don't like a piercing or you've got long hair or if you've got no hair or maybe your mama did this or maybe you ticked me off last week and I really am still mad at you. God says that we're to love that person. No matter what the situation, no matter what the case might be, no matter how, they, they, maybe they do things that you don't like. Maybe they're, they're living in sin and you know it. Jesus says, hey, we're to love that person. We're not to push them away because God valued people. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He teaches us to love people. He teaches us to love people no matter what. No matter what we're going through, no matter what they're going through, to love them. And out of his, this love that I have for him and his love for us, we love people. We love people. Number two, Jesus valued hospitality. Jesus valued hospitality on the cross. Hospitality is the relationship between a guest and a host, wherein the host receives the guest and with some amount of goodwill, some amount of, you know, come on in, he receives this person into his home or into his place of business or whatever the case might be. We love to you know, when you come to groups, you get to open the door. You're hosting someone at your home, maybe. You get to open the door. You Come on in. Hey, it's so nice to see you. Can I get a hug? Yeah. High five. Go saints. Whatever it might be. There's, there's some form of hospitality that's being shown. And Jesus is valuing hospitality on the cross. He's valuing that because we look at this as showing hospitality is, is the bridge between Isolation and community. So when I invite Arnie into my home, I say, hey, Arnie's out there standing on my porch by himself. He's sitting out there. He's isolated. And I say, hey, Arnie, come on in, man. Glad to have you. Now he is a part of community. Now he's a part of of my home. He's he's with my family. We are here. We are brought in in community together. And that's what hospitality does. It invites us away from isolation and into a place of community. We see that in the cross when we see the two thieves on either side of Jesus. We see them in that, in that story where one says, hey, remember me. Remember me. It says in Luke 23, 41 through 43. And the thief is saying, hey, and we indeed justly, for we are receiving due rewards for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said unto them, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus invites that that thief on the cross. He invites him and says, Hey, today you will be with me in paradise. He's opening that door of opportunity and, and creating a place that says, Come be with me, join the community, come join the family. We can look at it in, in Revelations 19 and 9. This will not be on the screen there. He says, in that in back in the, in talking about the the you know, in heaven, and he says, the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Blessed are those who are invited to this supper table that can come and dine. We look at it in Luke 14, and, and we look at this parable here, and he says, and it's, again, it's not on your screen, Luke 14, verse 12 through 23, this parable, he says, he said, Listen also to the man who invited him, when you give dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you, and you be repaid. But when you give feasts, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because you can, they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. When one, those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to them, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field, and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported those things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what have you commanded has been done, and still there is is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in. That my house may be filled. This is the hospitality that that Jesus is offering on the cross. It's the hospitality that He invites to the thief. It's the hospitality that he's he's expressing in this parable that invite people in, compel people in, ask, ask them to come in, tell them to come in. To do that, that he's saying to these people that we—that's who we should be as a church, as individuals. That we should invite people to come in. Jesus values that hospitality that we would bring them in, and the cross is what opened the door to an invitation to join him in heaven. That's what the cross provided—provided an invitation to say, "Hey, join me in heaven." We value hospitality. Jesus valued community, very much tied into what we're talking about, hospitality. Jesus valued community. Ultimately, as believers, if we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are a fellowship of forgiven people. We're just a community and a fellowship of forgiven people that come under the blood of Jesus that was shed on that cross. Colossians 1, 12, and 14. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you, To share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. There's a lot of scripture that we're just kind of sharing here in the in the little bit. But what he's saying is that that we are now coming into, we're transferred into this kingdom. We're transferred into the family. We're transferred into that because we have been forgiven of our sins. 1 John 1 and 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. We have that opportunity to be family, to be community, and to have that together because we have been forgiven. Because a Christ-centered community is one that is united by faith in Christ and a love for one another. We become that community because we're we're, we're united in our faith in Christ, our love for each other, that we have been bought with a price, that we have been forgiven of our sins. And Jesus was clear that he was inviting people to be a part of this community when when he talked to the disciples and shared with the disciples he was very clear about that scenario, that he was inviting them to come and be a part of community. You now the scripture in Ephesians 2, 12 and 13, and then we'll skip to verse 19 at the end. Remember that you were at the time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, who you are once far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Verse 19, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ, because of the cross, we have this, verse 19, we are no longer strangers and aliens, but we are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Next, Jesus valued health. He valued health on the cross. God's design for us is to be healthy and whole. That's his design for us from the very beginning. And wholeness is the state of being perfectly well in body, soul, your mind, will, and emotions, and your spirit. This was God's original design for us for man before the fall and now is attainable for us. Once we join Jesus in heaven. We look at a lot of different scriptures. And most people look straight to this scripture when we talk about it. You see it in Isaiah, but we see it again in 1 Peter 2 and 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. And we use that scripture and we always, most of the time we talk about when we're praying for physical healing. And while I I believe in physical healing, I believe it is a gift, I believe it is something that has happened, that will happen, and will continue to happen, I'm sure there are testimonies in this room how God has healed your body and how God has done miraculous things through that. That is still very much a part of what we believe. But we also know we live in a fallen world. We live in a world that there is hurt, there is pain, there is sickness. And with the, the hope that we have is that we can, do, we can obtain wholeness and we can obtain health once we receive our reward in heaven. Once we get to our reward in heaven, that is when we have that complete wholeness. But even while we are here, it is more so what God's plan is designed for us. And I look at it a little bit more when we look into the parables. When we look into all the different times where Christ did provide healings. I look in those stories, now look at like Mark 5: 33 and 34, the one with the issue of blood, but the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told the, him the whole truth. And he said to her, "Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease." In multiple parables that we read, in multiple stories, your faith has made you whole. Your faith has made you whole. Go and sin no more." Christ was not just about physical healing. He was also about the complete picture, the complete person, the wholeness of them spiritually. That was his design. He wanted them to be free of their sins, to be forgiven of their sins, but also to be free of their sickness and their disease. Jesus valued health on the cross. He provided that in in the cross. He provided that way for us again to be in heaven with him and to be in complete wholeness, and he provides a way through himself now that we should be able to have those things here. But lastly, Jesus valued stewardship. Jesus valued stewardship on the cross. Jesus stewarded every moment he had for the good of people. For his own glory and for the Father's. Preaching the kingdom. Its outcomes, its cost. And Jesus continued to do that in his stewardship. John 19 says this, after Jesus, after this, Jesus knowing that all was now finished, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Jesus knew the mission that he had from the very, very beginning. If you read the stories and you read the gospels, you realize that Jesus knew his mission from the very, very beginning when he was in the, in the, the temples and he said, I've got to be about my father's business. Got to be about my father's business. As an adult, being tempted by Satan, as it is written, this is what we should do. This is what the Bible says we should do, and this is what I will do. As it is written, you're not going to tempt me to go left or to right. In the garden, we hear him as he says, not my will, but yours. Not my will be done, but yours. He knew his mission, and all throughout his life, he stewarded that very well from teaching to how he, how he taught the disciples and he taught them. He knew his mission and he had that, that he valued the stewardship that he would have, that he would do that all throughout life and to live a sinless life. He knew his plan, he knew the purpose, and he fulfilled that in everything that he did. He stewarded his life well. And I want to encourage us today to steward our lives well. That everything that we should do should be gained towards that mission. We said it earlier, our aim is to please him, to glorify him, to know God, to grow in Christ and go into the power until Jesus returns. And these values that we're talking about, while this might kind of veer off into a little bit of a a, a new at NC class or your next steps class, And it might kind of go in that direction of way. This is is just how we as a church have have come to these values that we have. And what we do here at Northwood is, is geared around those values. Everything that we do, from our services, from our groups to serving, all of them are centered around the values that we have of people, hospitality, community, health, and stewardship. And we believe that because of what the things that we've talked about today and we've talked through that a little bit today And we hope that you will also kind of adopt those values in your life But maybe there's some other values that you have in your life And we want to encourage you guys to to be able to develop those values Maybe have family values that you're that you're living by that you operate by Maybe there are some more things for sure that we can take out of scripture and that we can apply to our lives But these are just kind of an idea of how we we have done them here. And it all comes back to Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. It all centers back to that cross. It all centers back to the cross. And so today I want to ask you, very simply, how how are you going to allow you these values to infiltrate these different areas of your life? How are you going to allow the, the areas to infiltrate your life? And many of you are probably going, whoa, you just like fire hosed me with all this stuff. Maybe you're, maybe you're sitting here saying, man, I'm really pretty good. There's, there's probably one of those areas that I'm, I think I need to work on. And some of you might be sitting back saying, hey, I've got this thing down pat. What I would encourage all of you guys to do is what's the 1% shift? What's the one little thing maybe that you can do? Maybe you can take them all. Maybe you've got a list and you're going, I need to do this better. I need to do this better. Maybe I need to do this better. I need to do better here. Maybe that's you, but if, if not, maybe let's just find that 1%. Maybe find that one little thing that you can shift in how you value people more. Maybe there's 1% shift. Maybe there's just a little bit more that how I can show hospitality more. Maybe there's one little thing that how I can show community more and how I can value and foster community in my home and in in my house and in my community. What are ways that I can foster inward health where I can be a little bit more healthy for myself and for my family? And how can I steward my life better in order to finish well? What's the 1%? What's the little thing that you can change? What's the one little thing that we can continue to transform and be just that much more and do that much more to accomplish the mission that we have? Jesus' mission was to seek and save that which was lost and destroy the works of the enemy. He did that by valuing people through hospitality, community, through health and stewardship. And his strategy to do that the strategy was the cross, the cross of Christ. Would you bow your heads with me? Today we've shared a lot of, a lot of stuff. We're just putting so much in there. As we talk about values and the things that are really, again, those bumpers, those guidelines to our to our life. We're talking through all those things, and we're we're going there, and you say, Scott, listen, I really. I need to I, I got some things i need to be better at there's some things in my life that i need some help with my values haven't been centered where they should be my values have been maybe distracted maybe they've been a little bit self-centered i want to pray for you today maybe you're in the house and you say listen hey i don't i don't have any values i don't know christ i haven't accepted him as my lord and savior but today you have presented values that mean something and today that there's a place that that i want to accept jesus i want to pray for you today as well so if you would begin if you bow your heads with me let's pray father i thank you for those people in this room dear god those that are listening here father there are people all in this room that are that are hearing and, and encourage, encouraged by your word it tells us to to uphold these values and take on the values that you've given us And as we've accepted you as our Lord and Savior, God, that we've accepted these values in our life. Today, I pray that you would help us to value people. Help us to to value the people around us, no matter what they look like, no matter where they are, no matter what they've done to us or how they've hurt us, that we would value people and love people. That we would value hospitality. This world is, is, is getting crazier by the moment at times. There are things that are happening we never thought that we would go out and compel people to come in. Invite them to meet Jesus. Invite them to know Jesus. That we would value community. And value community where we are, we are together. That we run this race together. That we fight this race together. That we do this race together. Because we have been bought with a price. That we have been forgiven of our sins, that we would love together and we would build that community together. That we would value health, God, that you would help us to to value a place that not only are we physically healthy and well, but Father, that we are mentally healthy, that we are spiritually healthy, that our mind is is thinking proper, that that our spirit man is strong. And Father, that we would value stewardship in our life, that we would be in a place in our life that we value every moment of our life, that we would steward it well, for the mission that you have before us. and Father, I pray for those in this room that, Father, they don't know you. If you're in this room and you say, I don't know Jesus, and I need to know him, it's as simple as a prayer, simply like this. Father, thank you for dying on a cross that my sins might be forgiven. Come into my heart and forgive me and make me whole. In Jesus' name, amen.